Good morning, family. Uh, it, is, it is a joy for me to be here this morning, introducing my family. Um, if you see the fo- if you can put up the, the picture there. But the most important thing is I am here with my one and only favorite wife. One and only favorite wife, meaning I have no intentions to take the second wife. It's unbiblical. So I'm here with uh, my wife and uh, we have three kids, um, a boy and two girls whom we are so blessed to be raising up. Our son, Limo, is 14 years old. Our daughter in the middle, Zinzi, she is uh, 12 and she shares a birthday with Nelson Mandela. So you can imagine every year she reminds us everything must stop when it's her birthday. Everyone must celebrate her. Our youngest, Rory, her name means praise. She started praising from mommy's tummy already. And to this day, she continues to praise. And there's this song, God's not dead. He's roaring like a lion. When it gets to that point where it says roaring like a lion, she thinks that we're talking about her. So she goes like, Rory, Rory like a lion, Rory like... Anyway, that was when she was four years old. Now she's eight. But we're so blessed to uh, be raising them up. I think, I mean, I like to say when I go to preach that I will not be standing in front of you if I'm not winning at home. I need to win at home first before I can go and stand before the people. So this is my part raising this beautiful kids that the Lord has blessed us with. Going now into the sermon series that you guys are currently doing. I've been so blessed just hearing what you guys have been uh, doing here about priests and exiles proclaiming His Excellencies. And last week I spoke about the sacred and the secular, just bridging this divide between the sacred and the secular, and also understanding who we are called to be as children of God. So today I'll be focusing on calling and career, understanding the difference between the calling that God has over us and career, what other people will call vocation. And this is what I want to submit to you. It is when calling and career and our competence come together that we understand the purpose of our existence. I'm I'm submitting this to you and we'll unpack it just now. When calling and career or vocation and when we understand the gifts and talents that purpose for your life that we have, when those three intersect together, that's God's purpose for your life. So when I start with a story, on Monday afternoon, I get a call from one of the guys from church who is a mining engineer, has been working for this big mining company. If I were to mention the name, you'll know which company it is. And uh, he calls me and he says, Pastor Sai, I just want to tell you something. You know, we've been talking about just one. We've been talking about uh, using the opportunities, every opportunity you get to make Jesus known. So he said, I was invited to a meeting with the CEO of this big mining company. And as we ended the meeting with the CEO, as I was giving feedback and report back of our project, I said to him, can I just uh, share something with you? He had the boldness and the audacity to say to the CEO, you know, sometimes God speaks to me and God spoke to me about you and I want to share with you. And, and the CEO said, yes, tell me what is God saying? And he starts sharing this prophetic word that he had and what he saw about the CEO. Guess what happens? He thought, man, this guy will think I've lost my mind. The CEO started sobbing. He started sobbing. He started crying, weeping. And then this guy asked him, Why? And he says, a few weeks ago, I bumped into Angus Bakken, and he gave me exactly the same word you're giving me today. How's that for God, eh? How is that for God? Yeah, we can celebrate that God is at work. 
God is at work, not only in the church, but also in the marketplace. God is at work. God is at work. So I start with that story for us to understand that we are all, Michelle, no, no, not just a few who are here, all of us, we are called. If you can agree with me that all of us are called and we are called to show His excellencies wherever we are, then we're done. The service is over. We can just go and have a care. If we can understand that we are all called, not just a few, we are all called. So our scripture today is 1 Peter chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, please open with me. 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm going to read verse 4 and 5. We'll jump to verse 9 and later on we're going to read other verses in this particular verse of scripture. So we're reading from verse 4, 1 Peter chapter 2. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. I want to bring your attention to that word, holy priesthood. Now we jump to verse 9. We are chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his glorious light. May the Lord bless the reading and the teaching of his word. Can I hear amen to that? So friends, from the scripture that we've read, it's so interesting that the Bible uses these two words to describe the priesthood of the believer. He says, you are holy, but he also says, what do you do? You are royal priesthood. Not only are you royal, but you're also holy. And the reason I bring your attention to verse 4 when it speaks about the fact that we are holy is to understand that the calling of God that He has for us, we will be able to get to it. We will be able to achieve and get to our destinies when we understand that holiness is important. When we understand that we've got to be holy to carry the call, the destiny, and the purpose that God has for us. We have to be holy. I love these words. You are a royal priesthood. When you read the scripture, you should ask yourself why it uses certain words. It could have just said, you are a priesthood, but you're a royal priesthood. Royal priesthood, it means that you are both a king and a priest. So we are both kings and priests. We are called to rule. By the way, the word ecclesia, which means church, it's those who are called out to rule. Those who are called out to take charge. Those who are called out to bring God's kingdom. So we are royal. We are both kings and priests. And by the way, I come from a royal family. So I can tell you stories of understanding what it means to be royalty. The responsibility that comes with royalty. So we are called to be both holy and royal. And this priesthood of the believer that we're speaking about today. It is seen in the Old Testament as priests who would offer sacrifices and minister to God and man. So put yourself in the shoes of connect people, the men priests who will go and offer sacrifices so that they can connect people with God. Put yourself in the, the shoes of those priests who were the only ones who were allowed to go into the Holy of Holies. Not everyone was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies. It was only the priests who have been washed, who have been cleansed to go into the Holy of Holies. But we live in the new covenant where all of us can go into the Holy of Holies because of the blood of Jesus. 
because of the blood of cross, we can enter into the Holy of Holies. The challenge that I'm bringing you to as I'm putting this case forward is to understand that our responsibility as holy royal priesthood, our job is to bring people with us into the Holy of Holies. Our job is not just for us to enjoy the presence of God. Our job is to make sure that we take those who haven't experienced the presence of God and help them to experience the presence of God. It's not just for us alone. You know, worship was so awesome this morning. I could feel and sense the presence of God in this place. But we can just build three tents here and be happy and have care and have pride and have whatever you enjoy. But as we were worshiping, I realized that there are people out there who do not experience what we're experiencing today. There are people out there that as a royal priesthood, we need to go out there and bring them into the presence of God. There are people out there who are not experiencing what we're experiencing and we need to come and bring them to the Holy of Holies. If you were to study the Old Testament, you realize the importance of going into the Holy of Holies and how priests needed to purify themselves to go into the Holy of Holies. And I'm grateful for the blood of the Lamb that we don't have to take a bath every time we come to the presence of God. Well, I hope you took a shower. I, I did. But these guys, they were not allowed to go into the Holy of Holies without being bathed publicly before they could go into the Holy of Holies. But through the blood of Jesus, we can enter in. So let's look at Exodus chapter 19, verse 46. Giving you a little bit of history, and then we're going to focus on calling career. And the three C's I want to speak to you about today is calling, conduct, and city transformation. Calling our conduct, our Christian character, and how we transform cities. So I'm bringing you to Exodus 19, verse 5 to 6, to see where this whole Holy of Holies came from. Now, it's written, Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. You can see the same words that I used in First Peter are here in Exodus. You will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, by the way, just for the records, the whole earth is God's. The land belongs to God. Can I hear amen to that? The whole earth is mine. It belongs to God, not to man. He's given it to us to steward it, but it belongs to God. It's right there. It's the Bible. Verse 6, you will be for me a kingdom of priests. God is saying, you will be for me a kingdom of priests. God is saying, I don't want you just to be Christians. I want you to be a kingdom of priests. Wow. Priest means chief ruler or prince or principal officer. And a holy nation. I keep bringing your attention to this word holy because it's important for us to realize if we are to be carriers of the presence of God, it comes with responsibility. It comes with responsibility. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. If I were to pause there and say God's original plan and intention was for all his people to be a kingdom of priests, but they rejected it. We're going to read a scripture that shows us that. And this call was restored in Jesus Christ. That's why we are called a royal priesthood. We are kings and priests. Let's jump to Exodus 20 to show you where the people rejected this call that God had for them. Reading from verse 18 to 21, it says, When the people saw the thunder and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear and they stayed at the distance. They said to Moses, Speak to us yourself and we will listen, 
but do not have God speak to us or we will die. Do not let God speak to us. Wow. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. Then the people remained at the distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. That phrase, the people remain at a distance, it troubles me because I realize that there are some Christians who also stay at a distance. There are some Christians who worship from afar. There are some Christians who don't completely understand the fear of God. When we talk about the fear of God, we talk about reverence for God. We talk about understanding His holiness and who He is. But it doesn't mean that, it doesn't mean that you cannot commune with God. It doesn't mean that you cannot have a, a close relationship where you can talk to Him. Look at the people. They said, no, 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 no. We don't want God to speak to us. We would rather stay at the distance. So when we begin to talk about calling, we need to understand that when Peter spoke about you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare and proclaim His excellencies, it is because it was restoration of what was lost. It was restoration of what the Israelites had lost. It is a restoration to say, guys, God wants to speak to you. God wants to commune with you. God wants to have close proximity with you. I like to put it this way. Proximity brings clarity. The closer you get to God, the more clearer you get to know Him. Proximity brings clarity. So let's talk about calling. Because we are all called. We are called and some are called to career, vocational career. And some are called to marketplace career. But we are all ministers unto God. So let me introduce this, these two terms, and I'm hoping that they will help us understand the call. Those who are called into church ministry, we can call them vocational church ministers. And those who are called in the marketplace or in government, in areas of society, you are also called ministers. We are all ministers unto God. Remember Old Testament, the priests ministers to God and men? We are also to minister to God and to minister to men. So let's not try to elevate the people who have the microphone. Just because I'm holding the microphone, you may tend to think that, no, 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 those are the people that are called. No, we are all called. Let me give you another story to understand that we are all called, not just a few. There's this young man that I was discipling. His name is Champ. I know that in every nation we use the word champ, hero. His real name is Champ. People ask, is, this, is that his real name? His real name is Champ. So this guy, Champ, growing up in Soweto, um, completed his studies and worked at PwC and to become a CA, a chartered accountant. While he was still doing his articles, he comes to me and says, Pastor Sai, I feel like I've got a call to ministry. I'm called to be in the ministry. I'm so passionate about people. I'm so passionate about preaching the gospel. And I, I called him to the side. I said, Champ, you must understand that where you are, it's also ministry. He was a bit puzzled by that. I said, no, 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 no. You being at PwC right now, you are right there to be a minister. You are a marketplace minister. You are meant to be an apostle in the marketplace, a prophet in the marketplace, a teacher. 
in the marketplace, evangelist in the marketplace, fivefold in the marketplace. He couldn't get it. Then I asked him the next question. I said, champ, at PwC, head office, minus 3,000. How many people work in that office? He said, plus minus 3,000. And I said to him, champ, do you realize you have a church bigger than my church? You have a congregation bigger than my congregation. You have 3,000 people. And that, that was a shift in his thinking. Because if he's not there, how will they know? If he's not there, how will they get to know the Lord? How will they get to know the Savior and the King of Kings? Because I'm not there, but he is there. And you know what happened with this young man? Once he understood that we are all called, he started a prayer group at his workplace. He invited his boss to the prayer group. He started reaching out to people at work, and people started getting saved. Now, see what's going on with the story. As I'm speaking to you now, Champ is an advisor to call the unions, to mining communities, to um, um, uh, what do you call the unions. Champ gets invited to the president's birthday party. I'm like, Champ, you get invited. Yeah, 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 Champ is in every nation, Champ. Champ, <laughs> you get invited to places of influence, and you thought that was not ministry. But where you are, it's your ministry. His influence is much bigger than even the influence I have because of where he is. So I'm trusting and praying that today you will understand that when we say all of us are called, it stems from Matthew when it speaks about Jesus calling his disciples and says, come, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. We are all called to be fishers of men. So there's a diagram I want to show you. I'm hoping this diagram will help you understand your call. We are all called, and we're calling, by the way, to give a simple definition of your calling is the purpose of your existence, why God placed you here. Know Him and to make Him known. To know God and to make Him known. Two simple things. Our calling is to know God and to make Him known. And then career is a vocation linked to your profession, maybe something that you studied or some skills that you have. But it's important to realize that competence is your gifts, talents, and skills that you constantly need to sharpen. But where all these three intersects, that's God's purpose for your life. Now, let me explain it in a way. I mean, I went for, there's many diagrams out there. There's many people who write about purpose. But I want to explain it to you in a very, very simplified way. So you can remember it. And I believe it's going to help some people. Your career may change, but your calling will never change. Your career, your vocation may change but your calling never changes. What I mean by that is understanding that career is just an expression of those gifts and talents that God has given you itself that was in. A different season will come. So if I give you an example for myself, there was a season I worked as an engineer at Unilever, and even right there, I was still in the call of God for my life. I didn't have to wait to be on the pulpit to say I'm called. I was also called when I was in the factory making rama, stock, all the great margarines that you eat. My wife just said we were never hungry. Unilever was supplying us with all goodies. 
But I needed to understand that even working in a factory, I'm in God's call for my life. And a different season came when I'm operating now as a lead pastor, as a pastor in the church, as a shepherd. It's just a different expression of my call. Another season may come where I will serve somewhere else. It'll just be a different season for my call. So a lot of us, we get fixated with our careers and we let the career define the calling. No, 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 it should be the other way around. Our careers don't define our callings. It is the calling of God that defines the season that you're in and embrace that season and be the best in that season. A guy by the name of John Stanko really helped us. He worked with our team many years ago when a lot of us were grappling with purpose. What is my purpose? What is my destiny? And he said, you're looking too far. Look at the gifts and talents God has already given you. Look at what's already inside here. God has given it to you for a reason. You know, we knew that our son would be a musician while he was in mommy's tummy because he was always beating drums, even in mom's thumbs. As I'm speaking to you now, he's in our youth band playing drums. Why did God give him that talent? Why did God give him that skill? He gave him that skill because he wanted him to proclaim his excellencies through his gifts and talents. So when you talk about competencies, is the gifts, the talents, the skills that you have are directly connected to the God's purpose for your life. Don't look too far. The things that you do with, I mean, looking at the wedding where we were yesterday, the lady who did the deco, I needed to say to her, you know what? This is worship unto God. This is worship unto God. Your work is worship unto God. Let's uh, take it one step further. There's this term called um, in the zone or flow. And I believe that when your calling or your career and competence meets together, it's flow. Then you proclaim His excellencies. I want to give you this quotation from Wikipedia, in positive psychology, flow is also known colloquially as being in the zone. It's the mental state of operation in which a person performing in an activity is fully immersed in a feeling of energized focus, full involvement, some call it peak performance, and enjoyment in the process of activity. In essence, flow is characterized by complete absorption and loss in one sense of space and time. Now, this, I like this because it simply says that what psychologists are discovering to be flow and being in the zone is what we know as worship. They're just discovering that, wow, when you are in the zone, when you are in flow is when your career, your competency, and your calling, they're together. You are in the zone. That for us is worship. That for us is worship. When you get to that place, when you understand that while you're working with your hands or doing whatever you're doing, it's worship unto God. You proclaim His excellencies. That's your flow. I like this movie, Chariots of Fire. I'm sure you've heard a lot about it. Eric Little runs and he was doing an interview. And at this interview, they asked him, why do you love running so much? And he said these words, when I run, I feel His pleasure. When I run, I feel God's pleasure. To understand that our work is worship unto Him. I don't know if you knew this. The word work is also the same word, worship in Greek. So our work is worship unto God. I know that some of you may be sitting here and you're still grappling with, what is my call, Lord? 
Our call is very simple. We are all called to know him and to make him known. And we make him known through our jobs, through our careers, through our professions. We make him known. Then we will be in the zone. I'll give you another story. On Thursday, I've been reaching out to this guy. His uh, name is Philip Kausch, a true German. And he doesn't believe in God. And he calls himself a secular humanist. And as I've been reaching to him, this was my third meeting with him before we can start doing the one-to-one. I'm sitting there. I was tired. It was afternoon on Thursday. But as we start talking and I'm answering his questions and we're talking, I just felt energized. I just felt that flow, that being in the zone, that peak performance, even though I was tired. There's something that happens when we make him known. So do not miss out on that flow that God has for you. Do not miss out. And while we are on a journey... To get clarity of the season of your calling and career, the next thing you work on is your character and conduct. That's where the holiness part comes in. So we've started talking about calling. Now I want us to talk about conduct. Our character as Christians is very important. Let's read verse 11 to verse 15. Verse 11 to verse 15. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of his visit. Submit yourself for the Lord's sake. Powerful words there. For the Lord's sake. Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as a supreme authority or to government, governors, who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. By doing good, you will silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. People may try to argue with you. People may try to debate with you about Christianity, about religion. But one thing they cannot debate with is a transformed life. You cannot debate with a transformed life. You know, when I share my testimony and I say, this is who I was before Christ, and this is who I am now in Christ, how do you debate with that? It's like what I said at the wedding yesterday, that I used to think that I was perfect until I got married. You know how marriage will show you the true, real you? How marriage exposes you? I say marriage is for both our happiness and our holiness, and we just want the happiness. We don't want the holiness. The holiness is to make us better people. So I'm reading these verses to say, guys, if we are to live as aliens, as foreigners, to make him known, we need to live lives that are pleasing to him. Look at this verse. It says, abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. If you don't abstain from those sins on God's purpose for your life, you're going to miss out on God's holiness. You're going to miss out on God's purpose for your life. The health of my marriage and family is part of my message. So I'm saying this to you. The health of your relationships is part of your message. How you conduct yourself is part of your message. It's the starting point of your message. How you live your lives. The Bible speaks it very clearly. It says you will silence those who may be criticizing you because of your conduct. You will silence them. It says, leave godly lives among pagans, that, they may, that if they accuse you of doing wrong, 
they may see your good deeds and glorify God. Have you ever been accused of something that you have not done? I see it all the time in my kids. When someone does something wrong, they never take responsibility. They blame the other. They pass the buck, and it's not me. Our youngest is always the one that gets blamed for things she hasn't done. I'm telling you this to bring you to this point. Ever noticed how unbelievers know how we Christians should live? Have you noticed how they are so good at saying, why would you do that? They are so good at knowing how we should live, even though they don't live up to that standard, but they're so good at criticizing us on how we should live. But the Bible says, live in such a way that they don't get a chance to even blame you for anything. Live in such a way that they don't get a chance. I, I, I like this aspect of good conduct because if you're in the marketplace, I like to put it this way, when you, when you are living a good life, when you are having a good conduct, you are actually buying airtime. Uh, for, the, for the young guys, the millennials, you are buying data. <laughs> do, do you know that data has made it on the Maslow's hierarchy of needs? <laughs> Wi-Fi, you know, like, it's like, no, 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 no. Everywhere we travel with our kids, we go on holiday, like the first thing they ask, when you live a life that pleases God, you are buying airtime or data because people will listen to you. People will not listen to you if your life does not match the gospel that you speak about. But when you live a life that pleases God, when you live a holy life, it's buying you airtime for people to listen to you. It's buying you credibility for people to listen to you. On this note, it also says, submit yourselves to the Lord. Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to human authority. Peter exhorts Christians to good citizenry. Peter wrote this letter when Nero was an emperor. Now, think about that context. Nero is known to be one of the emperors who's associated with tyranny and extravagance. Doesn't that sound familiar? It sounds very familiar. Tyranny and extravagance. So close to state capture. I won't go there today. But when he gave this command, he's saying, you need to obey and honor those in authority, except if what they're doing is not in line with the gospel. Except if what they're doing is dishonoring to God. Right here in scripture, obey and submit to the authorities. We are called to speak the truth in love. But let me challenge you as believers, let us not be so critical to the point that we lose our witness as Christians. Sometimes we speak so evil about our government that we even lose our witness as Christians. We can correct, we can speak into the matters of the day without speaking evil about our leaders. Can I hear amen to that? Amen. amen. So as we start to close now, you know pastors, when they start to close, that's when they start to preach, right? All that was introduction. All right. Knowing our calling Having a good conduct will lead to city transformation, to societal transformation. When we understand our calling, when we live holy lives that are pleasing to God, buying airtime, buying data, people can listen to us. It will lead to city transformation. I'm reminding you of Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. No, people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on top so that people can see. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. It's coming back again. And give glory to your Father, proclaiming His excellencies. 
proclaiming His excellencies. When we live lives that are pleasing to God, we'll be like Daniel, Shadrach, and Meshach. When they were in front of King Nebuchadnezzar, their lives had honored God. They were like light. Jeremiah 29, we like to read only verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and give you a future. But we forget that it starts by talking about, this is what the Almighty God says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because when it prospers, you too will prosper. I love that phrase. It says, pray to the Lord, because when the city prospers, you too will prosper. How much are we praying for our country, South Africa? How much are we praying for our city, Somerset West? How much are we praying for God to prosper our nation? Because when it prospers, we will prosper. Let's start there. God has called us to know Him and to make Him known. God has called us to live lives that are holy, pleasing unto Him. And when we get to that place, we'll see our nation being transformed. I'm sharing this with you because I'm convinced, having been so much involved with uh, transformation of our nation, two weeks ago when I was in parliament and we presented that we don't need to change the constitution, it allows for whatever we need to do within the framework of constitution. I walked away from parliament with this revelation. I walked away with this revelation that the gospel is the only solution to the ills of society. The gospel is the only solution to the challenges we are facing. I was sitting there and looking at the MPs and I'm realizing a lot of them, the issue is the issue of the heart. The issue and the anger that they carry is the issue of the heart. It's not the politics. But when we pray, we will see transformation of the heart. That's why I want to give you this heart transformation precedes societal transformation. We will not see societal transformation until the hearts are transformed. That's why we preach the gospel. Because the gospel is the only solution. Because when the heart is changed, our nation will change. When the hearts are changed, our nation will change. In closing, I want to pray for people who are still grappling with a season of, I, 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 I don't know my destiny. I don't know my purpose. And I want to pray for you, understanding that when you know your purpose, when you know your destiny, when you know the reason for your existence, it's going to lead to community transformation, which will lead to city transformation, which will lead to nation transformation. In 2010, myself and Pastor Roger, we went to the mayor's office in Joburg. And we were praying for the mayor. And I saw Pastor Roger giving a prophetic word to the mayor. And the mayor took out his pen and paper and started writing down the prophetic word. And when I saw that with my own eyes, I felt that the kingdom of God is coming. That God has called us. The kingdom of God is coming to our city. So I challenge all of you to realize that God has called us to know Him and to make Him known.